No other book has so profoundly impacted so many lives as the Bible. Welcome to Simply the Bible, the Through the Bible teaching program of Pastor Daryl Zachman of Calvary Chapel, Treasure Valley. Today we see where the men confess their sin in marrying pagan wives and swear an oath to God to put them away. It's a lesson of true repentance. We hope you'll join us as Pastor Daryl continues in Ezra chapter 10 on Simply the Bible. We say that God is love, and that is true, thankfully. It is His love that draws us to Him. It is His love that gives us the hope of salvation and eternal life. But this is not the complete picture, for God is also just. He's a good judge, which means that He must deal with sin. So often we don't get what our sins deserve. But there are those times when we must deal with the consequences of our sins. As we come now to the last chapter of Ezra, this was the situation for the Jews who had returned to Judah from Babylonian captivity. They had ignored the commandments of God and married pagan women. When Ezra the priest arrived in Jerusalem and was told what they had done, he was appalled. It was for this reason and the ultimate idolatry that came as a result that the Jews had gone into captivity to begin with. What were they to do now? Ezra tore his clothes, pulled out his hair and his beard, and then he prayed. We continue in Ezra chapter 10. Now when Ezra was praying and while he was confessing, weeping, and bowing down before the house of God, a very large assembly of men, women, and children gathered to him from Israel, for the people wept very bitterly. And Shechaniah, the son of Jehiel, one of the sons of Elam, spoke up and said to Ezra, We have trespassed against our God and have taken pagan wives from the peoples of the land. Yet now there is hope in Israel in spite of this. Ezra was brokenhearted. You see, the priests, leaders, and Levites whom Ezra respected for providing spiritual leadership to the people had been the first to abandon the law of God and marry foreign women. They were unequally yoked, believers with unbelievers. This was the very sin that had led the Jews into captivity nearly 150 years earlier. So Ezra prayed, he wept, and confessed to the Lord the sins of the people. This account of Ezra shows us what genuine revival looks like. It begins with a broken heart over the sins of God's people. Keep in mind that revival is about the church, not the unchurched. You can't revive what never lived. Revival is about the church remembering the spiritual height where they once were, repenting of their sins, and then redoing the righteous things they did at first such as reading the Bible, going to church, praying, and sharing their faith with others. Revival involves lukewarm Christians being set on fire for Christ. Then the church will bring unbelievers to Christ for salvation. How we need such revival today. But you know what? It begins with a broken heart. Before we can be reapers of souls, we must first be weepers of souls. 
We like to rejoice. We love to laugh. We even have Christian comedians. And there's nothing wrong with these things. But if we would see revival, then we must take to heart the words of James. Lament and mourn and weep. Let your laughter return to mourning and your joy to gloom. Humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord and he will lift you up. I believe that it was because Ezra was doing these things that the people came under the conviction of the Holy Spirit and gathered around Ezra. They joined Ezra and they wept bitterly because God had changed their hearts. Now, Shechaniah had family members who had taken foreign wives, but that didn't stop him from speaking up. We have trespassed against our God and have taken pagan wives from the peoples of the land. How beautiful is an honest confession. No excuses, no blame shifting, but a forthright admission of guilt. But Shechaniah didn't stop there. He said, yet now there is hope in Israel in spite of this. He had a plan to make it right. He had a solution. He brought hope to a hopeless situation. Thank God for those precious people who can see beyond the misery of the moment to the hope that is to be found in God and his mercy and grace. Now, therefore, let us make a covenant with our God to put away all these wives and those who have been born to them according to the advice of my master and of those who tremble at the commandment of our God. And let it be done according to the law. Arise, for this matter is your responsibility. We also are with you. Be of good courage and do it. First, Shechaniah suggested that they make a covenant with God. Remember, Israel was a covenant people. What they had done in marrying pagan wives had violated their covenant with God. And that covenant was based upon them obeying God's laws, which, of course, they hadn't done. Therefore, they needed to renew their covenant to truly be God's people and obey his commandments. Second, Shechaniah said that they would put away their wives and the children born to them. This was the only way to rid themselves of the problem of spiritual compromise, not only for them, but also for future generations of Jews. Now, this seems severe to us, and it was severe. But remember that they went into these pagan marriages knowing full well that they were wrong. And the priests and Levites led the way in this. Now their wives would suffer, the children from these marriages would suffer, and they would suffer. But that is always the result of sin. Obedience brings gladness, but sin brings sadness. If we are honest with ourselves, then we would have to admit that God has not visited us as our sins deserve. I know that's true with me. God has been so patient, merciful, and forgiving. But there are those times when I have reaped the consequences of my bad decisions, and it is always painful. These people would now reap the consequences of their sins. It was severe. It was painful. But they couldn't blame anyone but themselves. Then Ezra arose and made the leaders of the priests, the Levites, and all Israel swear an oath that they would do according to this word. So they swore an oath. Then Ezra rose up from before the house of God and went into the chamber of Jehohanan, the son of Eliashib. And when he came there, he ate no bread and drank no water, 
for he mourned because of the guilt of those from the captivity. Why would Ezra now make them swear an oath? Because Ezra knew how difficult it would be for them to follow through on this promise. He wanted them to swear before God so that they would fear God and then do what they said. Now, having done this, Ezra returned to his fasting and mourning. He knew that if this were to be done, it would be because of the power of God. Having delegated the matter over to capable people, Ezra knew that his most important duty was now to intercede for them. And they issued a proclamation throughout Judah and Jerusalem to all the descendants of the captivity that they must gather at Jerusalem and that whoever would not come within three days, according to the instructions of the leaders and elders, all his property would be confiscated and he himself would be separated from the assembly of those from the captivity. Now, this would be a solemn assembly to be sure. Now, what do you think would have happened if they issued the proclamation without this solemn warning stating the consequences of ignoring it? Do you think the people would have come? In truth, the people had already separated themselves from the assembly of God because of their sins, and they didn't own the land. It was God's. Therefore, if they weren't going to obey God as his covenant people, then their land would be taken from them. So all the men of Judah and Benjamin gathered at Jerusalem within three days. It was the ninth month on the 20th of the month. So that's about the November, December time, the rainy season. And all the people sat in the open square of the house of God, trembling because of this matter and because of the heavy rain. Then Ezra, the priest, stood up and said to them, You have transgressed and have taken pagan wives, adding to the guilt of Israel. Now, therefore, make confession to the Lord God of your fathers and do his will. Separate yourselves from the peoples of the land and from the pagan wives. So this chilly December day, they got there and it's raining and they're trembling, not only because they're cold and wet, but also because of the gravity of the matter. And then Ezra simply just rebukes them openly. It's not a long sermon. He just says, you've transgressed. You took pagan wives, so you need to put them away. And clear yourselves of this. Then all the assembly answered and said with a loud voice, Yes, as you have said, so we must do. But there are many people. It is the season for heavy rain, and we are not able to stand outside, nor is this the work of one or two days. For there are many of us who have transgressed in this matter. Please let the leaders of our entire assembly stand And let all those in our cities who have taken pagan wives come at appointed times together with the elders and judges of their cities until the fierce wrath of our God is turned away from us in this matter. Only Jonathan, the son of Asahel, and Jehaziah, the son of Tikvah, opposed this, and Meshulam and Shabbatai the Levite gave them support. So there were... About a hundred of these men that had taken pagan wives, out of that only four people opposed. Everybody else said, yes, we will do this. I would not want to have been one of those four whose names were forever written down as opposing this proposal to make things right. Then the descendants of the captivity did so. And Ezra the priest 
with certain heads of the father's households were set apart by the father's households, each of them by name, and they sat down on the first day of the tenth month to examine the matter. By the first day of the first month, they finished questioning all the men who had taken pagan wives. So they got right at this about 10 days later, and then it took them a total of three months. They met with all of the the men who had taken pagan wives. They had the local judges do this so that they would have actually known those people and examined them all, and, and they put away their wives and the children that had come from those marriages. Now, in verse 18 through 44, we have the list of men who had done this, Heading the list was the sons of Jeshua, the chief priest who came with Zerubbabel in the first group of exiles who returned from Babylon. Many of those who had been honorably mentioned previously were now dishonorably mentioned for compromising with the world and being unequally yoked with unbelievers. However, at least they were willing to put it right. You know, one day we will all stand before God and give an account of ourselves. The only thing that can save us is believing in Jesus Christ and in his blood that's been shed for our sins. But knowing that we will give an account of ourselves, we should do all that we can now to pursue holiness because without holiness, no one will see the Lord. You've been listening to Simply the Bible, the Through the Bible teaching program of Pastor Daryl Zachman of Calvary Chapel, Treasure Valley. For more information about our church, please visit our website at calvarytv.org. To listen to other episodes, go to 941thevoice.com or check out our iTunes podcast. If you have questions or comments, please call or text us at 208 209-4860. That's 208-319-4860. Next time, we'll begin the book of Nehemiah. It's a wonderful story about godly and effective leadership. We hope you'll join us as we continue our study of God's Word on Simply the Bible.